Hey there, it's Megan, and you're listening to Better Product, the show where we celebrate great products and the people and processes that make them stronger. Today we're talking about category creation, but before we get to that, Megan, I do want to share some exciting news with our listeners. We've mentioned the Better Product community for a while. We have a newsletter and it wasn't really quite a community. It's just us talking to people and we never really got feedback from people in the community. So after months and months of planning and getting it prepped, we just launched our Slack workspace for the Better Product community. And we have a couple hundred people in there already, just as of, I think, gosh, I don't know, 24 hours. So I did want to say before we get to category creation, I wanted to make sure everybody knew that we created a Slack workspace full of many channels to discuss product. Um, so we'll be sort of moderating that. We've got a community manager, Colleen McGill, on our team who will be uh, prompting and connecting people. We've got uh, product practitioners, as we've always promised from a bunch of different walks of life. So we got founders, product designers, product managers, product marketers, marketers, um, even a QA analyst here and there, a tester who really cares about products. So the point is, it's a sort of cross disciplinary uh, approach to product where people can talk about things and we can get things started. But anyway, just wanted to kick the show off with that, Megan. Now I will yield the floor to you to, to kick it off about category creation. Yeah, I'm glad you did kick it off with the community. It's really exciting that we finally have this space where everybody can come together and also maybe answer some of our prompts, which will be great. Uh, so as Christian said, today we're talking about category creation, but first we need to establish what that means in a product context, uh, as Christian and I have seen it in our own experience. Yeah, and we've actually seen it a lot, if not directly, we've seen it indirectly through some of the world's biggest digital product brands. For me, I've I read about it in the the book Play Bigger that came out years ago before I really got into marketing and truth be told I didn't really get everything in there. I've since skimmed it again as I've learned more about marketing and that was kind of what inspired us to cover it again because Megan you covered a lot in your work. Yeah, I get asked this question all the time. I know I've brought it up before on the show is whether or not we should create our own category or try to fit ourselves into an existing one. So why don't we start with the definition so we're clear on what we mean. When we say category, it's a word that we use in marketing and product marketing to describe the kind of work that your product supports. It's more specific than saying industry. So for example, we showcased our health tech series back in the fall. There's an entire health technology industry, but the products and the companies within that industry are serving different categories. For example, Headspace is the popular meditation and mental health app. Headspace created a product for the mindfulness and mental health category, while NeuroHealth is operating in the neurological healthcare category. So two categories, both in the same industry. And there are more for sure. Yeah, that makes sense. It, it's easier for me to understand. I've always liked organizing things and it makes sense when I think of you saying it that way. But the thing that I still struggle with myself is category creation. So Megan, how do you even know if you're trying to create a new category or if you're working within one that already exists? Well, a lot of the time categories already exist because there's an existing human need, but the world moves fast and sometimes new categories need to emerge to solve problems that for a time didn't have a name or didn't have our full understanding. We heard a bit about this from Justin Bauer at Amplitude who Christian interviewed back in the fall. Amplitude is creating a digital optimization category thanks to their work with collecting data that helps product managers make better decisions. Your 
understanding of where the market is going and the role that you can play, I think expands. And that's actually been the biggest shift, I think, for me as a product leader. When we were early, it was around mobile analytics and like, is this a thing? And can we actually prove that out? And now we talk about digital optimization as this much broader category. Like my role has shifted from thinking about a single product to multi-product. And so when you start to change that lens, and I'm now thinking about two, three, four years out in the horizon, it's like there is so much for us to do. And to go back to the health tech example, now included is probably our best example of a health tech product building a brand new category. As a co-founder, Tiffany Whitlow describes, there was a little discussed and little understood problem in the healthcare industry. Participants in clinical trials have historically and overwhelmingly been white, meaning most of the health products we use every day aren't built with black patients in mind. We hyper-focus in on underrepresented communities or majority-minority communities. And I'm excited that people will come here and get to see these stories about misdiagnosis, about navigating the healthcare system overall, about how they've made decisions generationally. And hopefully industry understands that we have enough people here that they're forced to listen. To answer a question you asked a little earlier too, Christian, there's really no one way to know if you're in a new category. The one easy way is to start by checking Gartner. So Gartner is kind of like the Rosetta Stone, essentially, of uh, product categories. They list every category by industry. A lot of times companies, when they're trying to figure out their positioning, will go back to Gartner as a resource and see if the category that they've been kind of kicking around internally on their team actually already exists out there somewhere, which most of the time it will, uh, or if they do need to start establishing a new one. Can I also add to Megan, like for early stage companies, because I've been networking with them a lot. So Gardner is great. They're they're like the de facto standard. I feel like a lot of early stage companies also kind of can get some of this information from uh, things like Product Hunt um, or even just going uh, and subscribing to newsletters that are sort of around the the tech space. The reason I say that is because I've been I've been seeing a lot of sort of emerging categories where. Gartner, it takes a while to sort of get there. So it's almost like something you do when you start to like grow up. But like if you're in Web3 or doing something in, in, in one of these early stages, you might find it challenging to sort of figure that out. I subscribe to a couple newsletters like Gen Z Founders or like Future of Work, where uh, some of these, these people do a really great job of like gathering a bunch of different things and sort of saying, here's all the things in the, in the sort of DAO space. Here's all the things in the, the neural tech space. So that's that's been helpful. Yeah, too. that's great to call out, Christian. You know what? It's kind of like Gartner is uh, Webster's Dictionary and Product Hunt and all of those are like Urban Dictionary. So maybe a word is widely used and people know what it means and it's already out there, but it doesn't necessarily make it into the official dictionary for however many years after that. Wow. I was going to say it was like, Gardner was like the Dewey Decimal System, but I didn't know if there's any other systems that yeah. are more for like early stage <laughs> books. So that was yeah. better. But Urban Dictionary, anyway, I'm not going to say is like the Dewey Decimal <laughs> System and Product Hunt is like your Excel spreadsheet of every book you've ever read. Right. Yeah. Also, I do use Urban Dictionary to understand what Megan's saying sometimes on Slack. Just That's FYI. True. That happens. Um, okay. So 
Now that we know a bit more about what category creation means, at least to us in the product world, and also what it's not, we're going to spend the rest of the episode explaining how to think about category creation within your own company or within your product team. There are three main places you need to look for signals about not just what category you're working in, but also to figure out if you might be creating a new category or sitting in an emerging one, as Christian mentioned. So first and foremost, you have to understand your business in the context of the wider market. Second, you have to think about your current growth stage as well as your growth trajectory. And finally, you have to consider the resources available to you at the time. So first, when we talk about understanding your business in the context of the wider market, we always go back to positioning. Good positioning and good foundational statements are a must. You can't know if you have the potential to create a new category until you understand what your positioning is. But it's also kind of a chicken and the egg where a lot of times teams, when they're trying to establish their positioning, will start to realize that there isn't a way to describe their company that already exists when they start throwing out new words that could end up in their foundational statement. So it is kind of hard to figure out, okay, do I define my category first and somehow work that into my foundational statement? Or do I try to come up with my foundational statement first and then see if what I came up with fits into a category? Either way, starting with positioning will help you understand what contribution your product will make and whether you should align with a specific category that already exists. So one of the best examples I'm seeing today is in the new wave of HR products, which are people operations or people ops products. Shameless plug, we're working on a series about all of this right now. So if you want to know more, stay tuned later this spring. People ops products are different from HR in that they're less focused on the administrative aspect and of running a professional team. So less of that checklists and benefits and everything and more focused on promoting inclusive and positive work cultures for teams. So they're really focused on people and they're really focused on total compensation as opposed to just payroll. For example, uh, John Wetzel from Gather, he's their CEO and founder. He created this people ops product and is really, and is also trying to lead thought leadership in the people ops space. He compared people ops to product management in the sense that the head of people operations is a product manager and employee experience is their product. So they are working to figure out exactly what they can do to improve employee experience, but also figuring out what they may have to hold off on for a while, what levers to push and pull, just like a product manager would for a software product. Okay, so second point, uh, that Megan made to think about when creating your category is the growth stage. And this was uh, truthfully my biggest learning since I, I mentioned reading the book Play Bigger, um, because it really was challenging for me to see how early stage startups think about creating categories. You know, my background being, you know, UX design and product, I struggled to think about, you know, how do you actually carve space out when you're really, really early? And a lot of what Play Bigger was referencing were really large companies. They, they start by talking about Salesforce and the no software slash uh, SaaS movement they created in the early 2000s. It's hard for me to know what that's like looking back because today they're, they're huge. So since then, it's sort of I've evolved my th thinking a little bit just from work we've done with clients. And I think that there is ways to think about creating your category from the product standpoint based off of the stage. But I think that's really critical. There's just some acknowledgement of like 
what stage you're going to be working at. Um, and I also think the industry you're in. So for example, we work with a team that's building um, a blockchain oriented app, um, really sort of decentralized app. So I'm not going to get into that space, but um, not only is the category they're operating in sort of non-existent, um, they're building on a technology that's really, really new and the dust hasn't, hasn't really settled. Um, but I think the advantage of something like that is they get to sort of create almost like MVP versions of categories as they're building out feature sets. So they get this distinct advantage of, of almost like an open sort of greenfield area uh, in the product where they can experiment and play with things. As long as they have a value prop and they can sell the product, they actually have a lot of room to sort of build a category around what they're doing. One of the other things that I think is important when you're an early stage company, um, and this is very design specific, because I see a lot of companies that want to create uh, like unique interactions or they want to make their features in their product really unique. Well, I would typically advise the opposite, which is leverage well-known patterns that already exist. Um, and, and even more than that, think about um, what type of mental model or category you do want to create. So for example, if you're a lot of a lot of apps that are in new categories or operating in verticals, they might be building some sort of task manager to manage some sort of specific task. You see this recreated a lot. Um, so I usually advise, you know, something like a, a Kanban or sort of Trello card view for sort of managing tasks or using swim lanes, right? So even if you're inventing a, a large scale category, don't reinvent new interaction patterns. Use things that people already know, because now you can start to make the category clear through the way that you've designed the product itself. So I think that is a, is a big part. Um, design is, is a huge part of creating the category. As you get larger, I think things change. And we already mentioned uh, Justin Bauer with Amplitude. And they evolved the category they were defining as they grew. Gong is another really good example where they're a bit earlier stage than um, Amplitude. But if you go to look at their website, while they don't really distinguish very specifically the category, if you scroll down, you can get the sense that the category they're creating is revenue intelligence. Um, what does this have to do with the product? It all centers around the features that they that they create that are built around the category. So, for example, you can just have revenue intelligence as a category. You could even see that in Gardner and say, yeah, we're going to build a product there. But everything they do in the product, if you go look at all the features in their product set, they all come back to creating more intelligence. So everything they're doing is sort of practicing what they preach. So when you think about your product and your category, it's not just marketing. You have to also build features that sort of back that up as you grow. And Gong is a really good example because I followed them um, in a few marketing and sales communities that I'm in. Uh, and they've really evolved their brand. They've evolved their feature set, but everything is in lockstep so that as their go-to-market you know, verbiage, the words they're using is talking about revenue intelligence. The product side is also backing that up with features that can truly give you more intelligence on your revenue. So I think product design is kind of like in product is, is almost like the proof that's behind the category that you're trying to create. And I think that when you're early stage, you have more room to experiment. And as you're later stage, you start to settle on what you want to be and you make sure the features are sort of backing that up. Yeah, I thought of a really good um, 
analogy for the first part of what you were talking about, which is that if you want to introduce something brand new, you almost have to serve it up in a familiar way in order to get people to try it out in the first place before you can convince them that this new thing is is a good idea. It's like um, covering your dogs like medication and peanut butter, pretty much like that's what you're telling them to do with their their UX and their product features. If they're trying to create a new category and trying to introduce something new to market, they're doing so by doing it in a familiar way, like using familiar UX patterns to get people using it quicker. Yeah. Or like, oh God, what's the story of like the California roll, the sushi roll? It's like the way that you sort of enter new markets, like, you know, like that. So yeah. But you know, putting pills inside of peanut butter, that works on people too, actually. I actually take my medicine and peanut butter every morning, get a little protein, you know? I'm kidding. I don't. (laughs) Or do I? (laughs) No, that actually would be terrible. Because if I was taking that, I could couldn't yeah, swallow would get, like, it peanut butter is stuck, really... I think. And lastly, in all moments, you have to think about the resources you have available to you. This is something that comes up a lot with our work with early stage startups specifically. So the amount of resources you have is going to fluctuate as different business needs arise. But it should go without saying that the more resources you have, the more equipped you're going to be to jump into category creation. So what do we mean by resources? You really have to think about everything from your product team to your budget and the marketing channels you need to use to start explaining or claiming your chosen category. So first and foremost, you have to educate your audience with thought leadership so they understand the category itself and also so that they associate your brand with that category and you establish yourself as the leader in that category. And the only way that you're going to be able to do that is if you have the resources for somebody to constantly be writing content and promoting content on however many channels is necessary in order to get the word out. It's a lot more work than it sounds like. I know, you know, in the early er, the in the earlier days of Innovate Map, all of us were asked while we were still doing our day jobs, you know, can you write an article here? Can you write an article there? In order to establish us as a leader in the digital product agency space. And I remember being really excited about it. You know, I like to write and I was like, perfect, I'll write this article. And then, you know, a week and a half later when it was due in two days, I was like, crap, I haven't had time to write this yet. And so you really have to figure out, you know, do you have anyone that can support that effort and put all of their personal effort into it? Yeah, I was also, I mean, obviously it was around during those times too. And I also wrote which I enjoyed, but I had this really, this is kind of like a really naive assumption that, all right, I'm going to write about, uh, you know, digital products or like, what does it mean? What does, you know, product design, you know, really mean? How is it different from UX, for example? I'm going to write it one time and they get it. That's the other thing with content marketing that I've learned, which is probably obvious, but I'm going to assume this is a safe audience because we're all in product and maybe this is news to people that, when you are establishing that 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 category and you're building resources, like you have to tell people over and over and over again. And I think one of the main reasons why, aside from people just being distracted and, and taking in a lot of information that it just takes a while, is that if you're building a product that's innovative, like you're talking about a new way of doing something or a new way of thinking. And it really just takes a long time to keep reiterating that new world so that people kind of understand your perspective. And then I think the product can come in and it makes more sense to them. 
so I, I hope that was was helpful for people in the product space to kind of understand what category creation is. Well, we'll put a link to this out there, but I, I highly recommend uh, the Play Bigger book. It's it's a really good uh, primer on this in the software space. Like I said, I, I would say that one of the challenges of the book is translating into early stage products, which I hope we've done a little bit here. Um, but I think as you think about you know building a category, the the three main areas that you know, that came up a lot as Meg and I talked about this to recap were first, understand your business in the context of the market. And then point two, think about your current growth stage. And then I would also add the growth stage of the technology or market you're in. Thinking about blockchain and web three, you actually have sort of a two-pronged thing. You have what is the larger sort of trend and what is your product category. And then third, consider the resources that are available to you and you know how you're generating them to sort of reinforce the category. That's just, Megan, in, in my own perspective from doing a lot of this work over the last uh, seven years. But as we started the show, we now have a better product community for you to engage with. Megan and I are in there. So hopefully we can take some of these conversations there uh, to continue going and would love to hear more about sort of on the ground perspective because we're, we've always tried on this show to not dictate this is the way things are. It's always ground up and we, we can only get a sense for what's happening in the world of product with people sharing. So if you liked this episode or you have additions or you have questions, join the Better Product community. Just go to betterproduct.community and click sign up and you'll get added to the Slack channel and you'll be greeted by Colleen McGill, our community manager, who's super nice. And you can DM me and Megan as long as you're nice. So thanks for listening. Again, this has been another episode of Better Product. Thanks for joining us. And if you haven't yet, be sure to join the Better Product community. We've got all sorts of content and resources for you. And if you want more audio, don't forget The Business of Product is our latest show to join the Better Product Network. And you can find that and more at betterproduct.community.